Three times a week, The Right Time with Bomani Jones podcast brings you the latest from technology, music, and the very best analysis of the games. Plus, we have a community of friends, including Dominique Foxworth for Foxworth Fridays. That's The Right Time with Bomani Jones, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And on Monday and Wednesday, it's also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Monday afternoon. Joining us from Los Angeles, her hair looks spectacular <laughs> because she just came off the set of NBA Today. But Ramona Shelburne, your hair always looks this way, right? Your hair is spectacular today. No, no. Like, uh, I should give a shout out to the hairstylist. Her name is Aubriana. She, um, she is the wife of uh, Danny Corrales, our former jump producer. And she is my number one, right? She always comes to my house and like does the, does my, so now she's like really got it down. And so I just, I don't know. I try to replicate it and I, I don't know how she does it. It's like miracles. Wait, Momo, you, know. you, do, you do your hair before you get in the car and drive to yeah, uh, downtown. Yeah. So then you got to yeah, hope they're not that a lot just... in the building yet. Yeah, no, I don't, that's you know, right. I don't the windows down, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And I don't want to like say exactly where you live, but you it's know, okay. You can say where I live. I live out you're, in San Fernando Valley. It's a little high. You're a valley girl. You were born and raised in the valley. You're a valley girl. <laughs> it's a it's a haul from the valley yeah. down. You got to make sure that hair is not, you know, attacked, impacted. Brian, let me just, let me just tell you, they give us all kinds of sculpting products. Like, I mean, I don't uh-huh. know what this stuff is. It's it's sort of like a white powder and she does this massage with it and it just heat activates it and it just stays <laughs> all day long. I can literally have my hair like this all day long and it will not move. It's amazing. The I think they bit, create. <laughs> I feel a little bit inferior right now because I'm in my home studio, which is very comfortable, but you yeah. are, you know, right in the studios there in LA and Om Young Masuk is joining us from New York, but he's actually in New Jersey and he is in this hotel that overlooks lower Manhattan. And it's like one of the greatest hotel views it's like behind me right now i know i know this doesn't it means nothing on a podcast talking about your hair and his view but look at that view momo he's got like the, i know he's got a he's got a million dollar well it's new york it's that's a 30 million dollar view that he's got of manhattan right now oh i mean yeah it's pretty nice awesome setup right nice you setup, know man. our our friend richard jefferson used to live in a townhouse nearby when i was covering the nets he had this view too so you are right. It is definitely a multi-million dollar view, and I am soaking it in. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks for joining us today. So we're going to, we got people on both coasts. We're going to go up to the Northwest to start off with, because I really think we've got a, uh, a, a brush fire, growing brush fire in Portland. Um, since we last uh, talked to you on the pod, we had a, a general <laughs> manager change, Neil yeah. O'Shea uh, let go. Um I know you've, you've known Neil for a long time, yeah. Ramona. Um, it's, um, it's very unusual for a general manager to be dismissed in the middle of the season, much less early in the season. And the circumstances around this are still a little hazy. They, they said it was as a result of an investigation, but really didn't give any information about the investigation. Um, they owed him uh, more than 15, between 15 and $20 million. And so, yep. um, I'm sure this is not the last we're going to hear about this if they don't want to pay him. Um, but for the Blazers, it comes at the same time as they're in a major slump as a team. They're 
getting blown off the court. Uh, they have become the they were already one of the worst defensive teams in the league for the last few years. They're, you know, dead last in defense, 30th in defense. Um, and there's just this malaise that's hanging over the team. And it's pretty concerning um, to give you some some just some raw data. Um, so Damian Lillard, he's averaging his lowest scoring in eight years. Um, he's shooting only 30 percent overall on three pointers. His worst career shooting percentages of his career. He's shooting free three uh, free throws less per game. He's complained about that. And he's been injured um, really ever since uh, mid-November. He re-aggravated an abdominal injury and he's out right now and, and they're getting blasted. CJ uh, McCollum, who's their sort of secondary franchise player is having his lowest scoring and worst shooting season in seven years. Um, uh, Chauncey Billups is calling out the players. The general manager is fired. Um, Ramona, it's a, um, it's all of a sudden gone from uh, things are a little shaky there. Do they need to do something to, to a full blown problem? And I don't, know what's going to happen but when you have star players who are on a team like this um everybody's eyes go towards that situation yeah look we've been talking about it since this summer and dame did a really good job of quieting people down at the beginning of the season i think he and chauncey bonded at the beginning of the season and he said all the right things about being committed to portland because i think honestly brian in his heart of hearts i think he wants to stay I really do think he has a, a love for the city of Portland and would like to win there and would like his legacy to be as a Portland trailblazer for the rest of his career. Um, but he also wants to win and that has not changed. And the fundamental dysfunction that that team has, which is they are not good defensively and they're not quite good enough offensively to make up for having a bad defense isn't changed at all. If anything, it's gotten worse because they're more expensive and harder to move contracts. And so, I don't really see a path forward for this current group. I mean, we were, we were giving it 25, 30 games to see if coaching could be enough to turn it around. And I, I still think we're in a little bit of that grace period. We want to see if Chauncey himself can be and, and changing the structure this, that they play with and changing um, the overall uh, affects things enough to, to just make them better. But I, I don't think that that current roster uh, can do anything close to what Dame wants. And the question, Brian, is, you know, Dame is eligible for a Supermax contract extension after this season. And well, let's, that's... let's let's stop right there just real quick. Yeah. Okay. Just to just to be clear. So Dame is earning uh, thirty nine mm -hmm. million dollars this year. Yep. He's in a Supermax. He has uh, three years left after this. Right. Year. So with that, actually, the last year of those is a player option. But that player option yep. is for forty nine million. So I think it's Ooh. unlikely he doesn't pick it up, but he doesn't have the, he's sort of in, he's not quite in the Ben Simmons situation where he's got right. very little leverage, but he's got, he's nearly in that situation. So even if he has said, and you know, just, I'm going to use his exact quote that he gave to Jason quick of the, of the athletic at the start of the season, just so we're all clear, everybody is saying what they think I'm thinking and what they think I'm going to do, but I'm not leaving Portland. He said those words in October. Um, so as you mentioned, even though he's got all these years left on his contract next summer, he is eligible for a two year contract extension. He could add two years on to those yep. following three that I just mentioned at somewhere in the neighborhood of 105 million. 
That's so right. So it'll be $50 million a year uh, when he's age 35 and 36. And so that is a question for the Blazers, even if everything was A-OK and they were in first yep. place. That would be a big decision for the Blazers organization, whoever the GM is and however ownership is going to go forward. That would be a huge choice. So when you think about the Blazers going forward, any decision on Dame Lillard, you have to know that that contract ask is likely going to come next summer. And any concept of a trade, you have to know that if you trade for Dame, and I would guess give major assets, that he is going to next summer ask for that contract extension. So keep that in the back of your head. Okay, go ahead. Right. And, and I think it's also, if he's, you know, one, he's going to ask for that contract extension. Two, if he doesn't ask for it, you have a problem. And if you don't offer it, you have a problem. And so that's right. it's not even about whether he signs it or they offer it. It's if there's any issues with it, then now that's a leverage point for, for either Dame, if he wants to, to do something with the team or if he also, wants to he's trade playing it. terribly and he's been dealing yeah. with this abdominal injury on and off for the last few years. Now, granted, correct. He's also played awesome the last few years, despite having yep. it. So just because he's dealing with it today doesn't mean that he's not going to, you know, deal with it and come back very strong. Yep. That said, however, he's playing terribly. Like I just said, he's having his worst yeah. season in eight years. So keep that in mind as you think about the concept of trading him at this point. Yeah. And I think, and, and Brian, this is not, and we have to go all the way back to the coaching search this summer. Um, Damien obviously was on, <laughs> I, I guess, can we say he was on record? Was he, was he on record with Chris Haynes there saying he wanted Jason Kidd or Chauncey um, Billups? Yes. I, I mean, he was on record there. Yeah. Um, I was, I was covering Dame with team USA <laughs> and I really appreciated that he was willing to speak on the record. And also I want to yeah. say something else about Dame when the Americans lost to the French in the first game, um, you know, anytime the Americans yep. lose in the Olympics, it's a little bit humiliating. Um, Dame came out to, to, to do interviews that were above and beyond what was required. Yep. Totally took um, uh, responsibility for the situation. He played very poorly by the way, in the Olympics, um, but has been, has stood up and answered for you know any speculation and even today yep. there was some speculation on a news story from the athletic about mm -hmm. his happiness and he basically stepped up and put out a tweet about it so dame has taken rumors head on that said the rumors haven't gone away so i don't know what to how to make of that but you know the reality is this team is going nowhere he is their star player and if they're going to do anything they've either immediately got to trade pieces to help him out which they've been trying to do for a long time and they've made the playoffs eight straight years they've they've been good not great so no matter what you do dame is going to be at the center of it and that's well, and a, here's that's and, and here's the other part of this okay brian and i think this is what we're going to be watching for going forward which is now they have an interim general manager in her, who is faced with some incredible questions and joe cronin who's been with them for a long yep. time, like 12 years or something like that. Yeah. But they've already said, we're going to have a search for a replacement for Neil O'Shea. So that's immediately undercutting some of his ability to do things here. Right. You're right. I mean, you're talking about franchise altering decisions, which is um, whether you move forward with Dame and this, this cast, whether you fundamentally alter the, the supporting cast or whether you consider 
hey, you know what? Our our most valuable player is probably Dame Lillard. And if we can't win with this group, maybe we have to think about trading him. That is a very, I, I hate to even consider that idea, but the, that is what they do in front offices. You have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. And I, I think you know, the consideration of trading Dame has got to be way down on the list. But I think you're here at this point if it's if you can't resolve the underlying issues of this is not a good enough team. It's just, it, it, it's not going anywhere as currently constructed. And so, you know, is Joe Cronin going to be empowered to make those decisions? And uh, on that level, can they, are they going to hire somebody in short order who will make those decisions? Um, who, who makes that choice? And I think this is where the investigation and how everything played out with Neil O'Shea comes into, into this conversation here, because the Neil O'Shea story is not over. He, he may have been fired, but they are still, there's still some dispute about whether he was fired for cause, in which case they don't, they will try not to pay him. Um, it's a very Donald Sterling move. I've, I've covered these, these types of disputes before. Um, <laughs> Donald Sterling loved yeah. firing people and not paying. Yeah. Not paying he, well, he would always say for cause. Right. Right. Um, right. And the only, and it actually Several of his uh, coaches yeah. and general managers took him to court. Yeah. And one of them won and his name was Mike Dunleavy. And do you know who yeah. Mike Dunleavy's disciple is? And, and one of his, uh, <laughs> Neil, O'Shea. Neil O'Shea. Neil O'Shea was the assistant general <laughs> yeah. manager for the Clippers when this all happened with Mike Dunleavy. Right. And, um, you know, as part of any standard coaching contract, you have arbitration written into the standard coaching contract. And so because we don't know what happened in the investigation, we don't know how serious it was or these allegations. Um, and we don't know how strongly the Blazers are going to pursue this idea of firing him for cause and getting out of having to pay him what they or what they owe him. Um, but I can tell you right now, they are negotiating this and it's not resolved and is and until we have some resolution on it. That situation, that case is not closed. And Brian, it's, it's, um, <laughs> I can see this getting very ugly because when you start getting to arbitration, now you have to start putting things in public record. Now you have to start filing legal briefs and now you have to start saying what the investigation turned up. That could get very ugly for this franchise. So Ohm, you've been around some teams in the past that have, you know, I think gotten stale, a classic example. You've been around the Clippers a lot. Yeah. The Clippers team with uh, Blake and and Chris mm-hmm. Paul got stale and stopped short. This is a roster that, regardless of Neil O'Shea, appears to have gotten stale. Yeah, I mean, look, I was with around that team when they got to the Western Conference Finals. And after right. they beat the Denver Nuggets in that marathon seven-game series, and we thought maybe Portland was a piece away from contending. And they yep. just have taken – not one step or probably two steps back. And I think this it's time for this roster to be shaken up. The question is like, there's no, we don't know much about Jody Allen and what she thinks and what she wants to do, what her mentality is. Listen, when you've lost five of the last six games and four of those losses are blowout losses. And now your coach who is a first year coach, And I think what we've seen in the NBA, Brian or Ramona, you guys are like me. We've covered the NBA through different eras and we are also kind of all old school, right? What Chauncey Billups is doing now, calling out his team multiple times Mm -hmm. is very old school. And it's not what new coaches do today where they basically never throw any players under the bus. They do everything they can to protect the players and they'll just shoulder all of the blame. Um, That's kind of, I, I appreciate what Chauncey's doing but it's also a recipe for disaster with today's coaches and today's players because it doesn't resonate with today's players. I was around the New Jersey Nets 
in the first two years when they went to the NBA finals with Byron Scott and Byron Scott, who I love, um, good human being, but the players, I, I eventually I would learn this could not stand Byron Scott because Byron Scott, you know, he has this old school Laker mentality that he would call out his players when they weren't playing tough or they were, or he, they were playing soft. He would, he would say it to us and eventually the players just didn't like it. And they revolted against Byron Scott. That was 2001, 2002. Today's player is certainly uh, has less patience with guys that are going to call them out publicly because it just doesn't happen anymore. So I, I like everything that Chauncey Bills is doing. I hope he can last. As I talked to one person today, who's very familiar with both sides um, this person said they don't know Chauncey Billups yet. The players don't know him. They need time to learn one another. The question is, is Chauncey Billups going to be given that time? I also think when we talk about Dane's future, one thing that I think we could we will have to read the tea leaves a little bit here is who they hire as general manager, because if they hire someone who's kind of like, you know, a little bit like Chauncey Billups here, who is kind of approved by, I think, Dame and Dane's side then, well, we can probably think, yep. okay, this is good for Dame to stay. If they hire somebody completely not, you know, in line with Aaron Goodwin and, and Dame, then we got to wonder, okay, maybe Dame might get traded. Okay. So a couple of things here. First off, Paul Allen passed away in 2018. He had one of the most complex states in the history of America um, <laughs> worth over $20 billion. And so one of the things I see, people both in Portland and Blazers fans saying is, you know, why hasn't Jody Allen, who's the chair, uh, you know, the chairwoman of the trust he left, why hasn't she been more active? And I'm going to tell you why, because when Paul Allen died, he had a billion dollar art collection. I mean, it's arguable that, I mean, you'd have to have some buddy value, but it's possible his art collection is worth as much or more as the Blazers. Forget about the Seahawks, but which he also owned. Just his art collection. He had 23 different estates across the world. And just to give you an idea, this is what they've been doing. They've been dealing with these estates. So they sold a house in mm. Hawaii that he owned on um, near Kona on the Big Island. They he sold one this year for $43 million. They sold his house in the Bay Area last year for $35 million. There's two houses or two estates that he has in L.A., that are for sale right now. One used to belong to Rock Hudson and is near wow. Beverly Hills. That's for sale, Ramona, if you're in the market, for $55 million. And I then there's do the guest this, house, maybe. <laughs> then, there's this, then there's this area in Beverly Hills that is an undeveloped area that he's owned for a long time, trying to develop, that Jeff Bezos wow. almost bought for $90 million last year, but then the sale fell through. So he's got uh, he's got Rock, Hudson, Rock Hudson's old house on sale for fifty five million and another house on sale for ninety five million or another property on sale in Beverly Hills for ninety five million. He owns Georgia O'Keeffe's old uh, state in Santa Fe, New Mexico. That's on wow. sale right now for twenty two million. He had Ooh. two yachts. OK, and they're only selling one of them. And they, the one that they're selling is on sale for three hundred twenty five million. There's so many incredible Paul Allen stories that exist. I wish I could talk more about it right now because, you know, like I remember one time when he hired Rich Cho to be his general manager, Mm -hmm. Rich Cho's first interview was with the president of the team in Las Vegas during summer league. And they're like, okay, well, Paul Allen wants to meet you. You need to go fly 
um, to uh, to meet to meet Paul Allen. Oh, OK. Is Do I go to Seattle? No, no, no. He's in Helsinki on his yacht. <laughs> rich Cho was flown to Helsinki and probably the most amazing rich guy story I've ever heard involving Paul Allen. And I'm sure there's a lot more like I've talked to people who've been in his house in Seattle, which is built at the on the side of a mountain. And there's a there's a mountain stream and the, the house was built over the stream. So the, the mountain stream just comes right down the middle of the living room. But probably <laughs> the craziest story I heard about Paul Allen was he was once doing a scientific research on his one of his yachts going to Antarctica. So he flew on his private jet down to Argentina and to get to the yacht to go to Ar- to go to Antarctica. The helicopter based on the yacht took off to come get him at the airport. Well, unfortunately, the helicopter had engine trouble and crashed into the ocean. Now, fortunately, nobody got hurt. The pilot survived and everything like that. So here's the question. Now you have Paul Allen at the airport needs to get out to his yacht on the ocean to get down to Antarctica. The the yacht's helicopter has crashed. How does Paul Allen get to the yacht? The answer is the backup helicopter that the yacht had. They sent Mm. out the backup helicopter. When you've got a backup helicopter for your yacht. Okay. So the thing about it is, is that the Blazers are only just one card in that enormous estate. And so Jody Allen's been dealing with all of that. You know, they're selling off properties and donating money here and donating money there. And so she's been around the team quite a bit, but you know, there has been this feeling of, you know, who's, who's minding the store, especially now. And what happened, Ulm just mentioned that really great Mm -hmm. run they had in 2019 to the conference finals. After that, Jody Allen said, boy, things are going really well here. While I go figure out whether we're going to sell the Rod Hudson estate or the Georgia O'Keefe estate or both, we're not even, we haven't even got, gotten into the sell, the villa in the south of France yet. Um, <laughs> I'm going to just pay everybody. <laughs> so they extended uh, Dame Lillard to a, for a huge salary. They extended CJ McCollum $100 million. They extended Terry Stotts. They extended Neil O'Shea. Everybody got contract extensions like everything was going to be A-OK. And so like Jody Allen's like, OK, I invested in the team that was in the conference finals. And now she yeah. comes back two years later because it's, it's been less than two years. It's been about two years. And it's like, well, what happened? The team is, is in disarray. Yeah. Brian, so, you have to you have to uh, redo that entire list of all those homes you said, but you got to do it in Robin Leach's voice because that was like <laughs> the life of the rich and famous. Like, right seriously, there. like I know You're people right. are like, I know people are like, well, how come she's not more involved? Because she's managing the other twenty billion dollars in assets that he's got, you know. And okay, so, so this is something I've learned about rich people, Brian. Um, when there are issues generally speaking that you don't have time to deal with or would be ugly to deal with or can hurt you just spend your way out of it. I mean, and it sounds, you know, essentially that she did it that initially and it didn't buy her all that much time, but you could still do the same thing here. I mean, this whole thing with Neil and the investigation and all this, like that was messy. And I understand why they did it because they, they weren't all that transparent with the investigation with Chauncey and they took a lot of public criticism for that. Um, and so they had to do even more so double down this time. But um, it, it's just been a, a pretty big distraction. And now it's delaying things at a, at a time during the season when you really don't have a lot of time to delay. I mean, Brian, let's look at their options. How do you improve this roster? Um, who, are your, who are your tradable assets? Okay, I would say Dame Lillard is number one. 
He is the best player in the team. He's a bona fide superstar, one of the 75 best players of all time. But if you trade him, you are not getting equal value for him. You're starting on a rebuild. No, if you trade I don't him, think it's, you a, can, it's a rebuild. If you trade him, you might as well you might as well trade, trade everyone, CJ. Right? You might as well trade, you know, Yusef Nurkic. Correct. It yeah, is, he's, and and, he's, and let's go down the list, okay? Yeah. So the yeah. other one would be the other one would be CJ, and who is also owed quite a bit of money. Um, he's part of your core. He's a great character guy, head of the players' union. Um, but he's he has a value around the league. He has less value than you think because of how much he makes, right? So it's hard to match salaries. Well, um, he had a, but, he was having a great year last year. He was going to be yeah. an all star for the first time, but he got hurt, and he hasn't Correct. been the same player since. Right. And I, and you know, when you have a foot injury, that's always a, a, a cause of concern. Okay. Um, long-term at least, but I think he has, he has some value, but not as much as Dame Nurkic. I actually think has quite a bit of value just because he's in the last year. It was the last year of his deal. Right, Brian? I think I it looked is. that up before we came yeah. on here. Um, yeah. And he's a very productive. He's having center. a good he's, year. I know people up there are, are not happy with him defensively and that's fair. But mm-hmm. if you actually look at his numbers, he's having a good year. And there's, and there's certainly teams out there that I think could use him. Now, what can you get for Nurkic? Um, it's, a, it's a question where you have to have somebody who is doing some long-term planning for your franchise in charge making that call, okay? Because Nurkic is up for – if you want to keep him, uh, you're going to have to pay him this summer. And if you decide to move him, you're, are you looking for something that can help you win now or are you trying to reload in terms of draft picks and other young players and assets, okay? Um, I think, I think Anthony Simons probably has some value. Big young player, um, also a free him. agent. So uh, let me just, I, I, I think what you're what you're saying, Ramona, they really have three options. Yeah. Option one is hold Dame Lillard and invest, which would mean probably extending him, and probably extending probably, him and extending Nurkic, and extending Nurkic, and probably trading CJ, CJ. or other players on the roster. Because I don't think status quo is an option. I don't think that's one of the options. Yeah. So option one, keep Dame pay, you know, keeping Dame means you got to extend him probably. Yep. I agree. Tr- trade people around him. However, they are encumbered on the first round picks they can offer because mm-hmm. they traded a, a first round pick that's protected for Larry Nance this off season. And so even though they're not out a lot of first round picks, they can't trade. I have to go look up exactly what it is, but they can't make a trade, for example, and offer three firsts for somebody at this point, because they're encumbered is what it's known as. So that's option one. Option two would be, um, uh, total teardown and rebuild. You're trading Dame, you're trading yeah. CJ, you're probably trading Nurkic. I don't know about Norm Powell. Norm Powell's actually been a bright spot for them this year. That was a good trade. And they, they signed him to a contract that's okay. I'll even know it's eighty million. You could trade Covington. Um, trade Covington, yeah. You you know you would, you would trade. Um, you know you you would go that route. And then option three, which would be probably the hardest option, would be to try to trade Dame but remain competitive. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. 
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. In other words, don't right. trade them just for draft picks. But instead, you know, you, you know, you don't want to go into a multi-year teardown or whatever. But you trade Dame for uh, players that are valuable now. It's still a massive trade. And Brian, and you, you all three yeah. of these options come back to Ben Simmons to me. Yeah. All three of them do. And Ben Simmons, if you have the worst defense in the league and you add a guy who finished second in the league in Defensive Player of the Year voting and is one of the best defensive players out there, um, he helps, right? Does he help as much with playing alongside Dame as he does with CJ? I don't know. Can he be a franchise face of the franchise? He certainly has that ability. We don't know what Ben we're going to get after everything that's happened, but he is the best player available that I think you can go get. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at the team, you got to decide if you, if you, if there is a trade to be had a CJ McCollum and other pieces for Ben Simmons, if, if Philadelphia is amenable to that, um, do you decide that, okay, having a uh, point forward who does not need the ball, who's not going to shoot, but will elevate your defense and allow Dame then, I guess, the volume to go up? Is that better than having a capable scorer like CJ alongside with Dame? Um, perhaps that we've seen that that's not going to work. I mean, yes, a couple years ago, they went to the Western Conference Finals with that formula but perhaps it's not going to work anymore. And maybe they just think maybe the right way to go is to have Ben Simmons. I mean, the other thing too, is maybe for Chauncey um, bringing in a Ben Simmons might actually help him um, because maybe uh, I still think it's a little too early, but maybe they've det- they, they can see that it, this is not going to work out with what Chauncey wants to do and the roster he has. And these decisions come up pretty fast, right? It's uh, it, you know, it's December 15th and, and how many days from today? Um, when, when is this posting, Brian? <laughs> Tomorrow, it's you know, Tuesday. Yeah. It's, yeah, you know what, you know what, in, in, in eight days when this podcast yeah. promotes, it'll be December. Um, I mean, these, these, like whether you're ready or not, these decisions are upon you. <laughs> so. And Ramona, you're right. These things do come up fast. Look to Monday night's game between the Blazers and the Clippers is actually a potentially huge game for them. Not only to stop the bleeding, obviously I think I said they've lost Five of their last six, four of them, the last four are coming blowout losses. But after the Clippers, who are kind of a little bit in their own funk right now, I think they've, they're have they three and seven in their last ten. But after that, at Golden State on ESPN, you know Steph's going to put on a show. After that, a much-improved Minnesota Timberwolves that plays hard. After that, Phoenix Suns. After that, Ooh. Memphis. <laughs> so this could be potentially a huge slide for the Portland Trailblazers that you're going to wonder – who is going, what's going to happen after that? If this keeps sliding and who's going to survive. The other thing is, is that Chauncey, even though he is, he's escalated what he said. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, you know, Jason quick who covers the team has covered the team for various outlets for the last 20 years. I, I would 
go so far as to say there's probably no beat writer that knows intimately his team the way Jason Quick does in Portland over the last 20 years. Um, he is Marcus Thompson. I give Marcus a shout out. Yeah, that's about I, sure. I, yeah. I, I think Thompson I think I think he yeah. and Marcus are two guys that have like institutional knowledge of the, yeah. the organization. Okay. They yeah, cover. for sure. But he has written a series of stories, and it's got you know with Chauncey and uh-huh. and 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 Chauncey. He was talking about how last week um, he, that sometimes Chauncey is so frustrated with their competitiveness yeah. that sometimes they win. And he feels like it's a step back because you're still not being competitive. Right. Chauncey said that on the record and, and quick was like, I told him that was brutal to say that. And he goes, it is a brutal thing to say. He says, it's not just after a loss. You can have games where you win and you actually get worse. Chauncey said that then after you get blown out over the weekend, Chauncey says that was a lack of pride. If that doesn't bother you, there's something going on in here. Like he tapped his chest. Yeah. When you have no pride, you don't have anything, in my opinion. So he's saying his players don't have pride. I mean, Brian, and if they hear that, right, if they hear that, Momo, they hear the coach, and I'm sure the coach has said similar stuff to that in person to them. But when they hear that in the media, if they come out, and I mean, this pod will be, oh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen Monday night. Maybe they win by 30. But if they come out and get get run off the court again after that, where do you go from there? And that's why there's this feeling of heat. Because part of it, as Ohm described, is it's a first-time head coach. As much as we respect Chauncey, as much as he was an incredible competitor as a player, and you know, I've listened to Chauncey talk about his philosophy when we worked with each other at ESPN. I've, I, I, I know that he is prepared for this moment a lot. I know he spent a lot of the off-season working with Ty Lue on like the X's and O's part of everything, but getting into the fight for the first time as a major competitor is almost describing like you can make mistakes and he has really put it out there in December, you know, the same week that his boss got fired. And, and, and you know what, Brian, and I, as I, I talked to another, um, a, another coach today and I was saying that whenever, you know, some of these coaches I've known for a long time, when they're, when they're looking for a job, the first thing I always say to them is when they look at a team, I say, who is the general manager? Does this general manager have your back? And is this general manager aligned with the ownership team? If those things are not in place, you better be prepared that you could be fired within two years just because you just don't have those things covering your back. And this coach totally 100% agree with me. And so looking at Chauncey, this week, this past week, everything, you know, the guy who hired him is gone. Okay. He is also calling out his team like an old school coach, like Larry Brown would call out the Detroit Pistons back in the day. But that doesn't work in this era, technically, when you're doing that open in the media. I appreciate Chauncey staying true to himself and being who he is and speaking out his mind. And listen, you're right. He is absolutely, Momo wrote about this last year. He has been preparing for this job with Ty Lu. He is as prepared as they can be for this job. But it's just turning out that everything now, right now, looks like it is spiraling out of control. All right. So we'll see what happens there. Definitely something to keep an eye on. I really don't know how it's going to go. I can tell you that all conversations I have with agents and executives in the league right now lead off with what's going to happen in Portland. And I don't mm-hmm. think people have a feel. I, I don't. I really don't know. Maybe some people can make good guesses or yeah. you know have better information than I do, but I don't have a feel. All right. I, well, I and, to and also, then, okay, good. No, I was going to say, like, the, go ahead. 
the, the situation with Neil O'Shea, and I know it's not resolved yet, but because that's still hanging over the franchise, like, you know, usually when you fire someone, Brian, you just want to fire them and, and move, turn the page, right? Move forward, turn the page. There's a sort of lift by just getting the, the uncertainty over it. And I was, as I was listening to you detail how much money they have, okay, how much money the, the estate is worth, like, I just don't understand, you know, if there was something really egregious, release it, okay? Um, but their actions throughout it were suspicious. He worked well, until they said the day they before he was fired. They said they wanted to protect people who came forward. I, I kind of Fair get enough. that, but yeah, um, I, I get it. You know, without more information, yeah. um, people can jump to conclusions, and so you know that's what they have to deal with. Okay, I do want to pivot before we go to the Knicks. Mm -hmm. um, the Knicks uh, have lost three in a row. Um, they have fallen all the way back to eleventh in the. Uh, um, in the Eastern conference. Um, they're definitely underachieving under 500 now. Um, and Tibbs has been just like <laughs> seething rage, um, uh, at different times over the last couple of weeks. Um, he's attacked his starters for not getting it done, which is, you know, not a new situation. Mm -hmm. uh, he's been furious at the officials. Um, he, he, uh, over the weekend, he, kind of told rj barrett to get his backside in the gym yeah <laughs> he was talking about so barrett now barrett i believe had covid he he was sick um or maybe it was a non-covid he was he was out for a little bit but for the last 13 games he's shooting 22 percent on three last year he shot over um he 40. shot over 40 percent on three there was a real big belief in the league that barrett could be in for a third year bounce mm -hmm. we see so many excellent players have a third year bounce, whether you're talking about superstars yep. like Kobe, go look at Kobe's third year to like, just even like right now, Darius Garland in Cleveland is having a big time third year bounce. He's not going to be an all-star, but he's having, I shouldn't assume that maybe he will be, but he, he, he's having a bounce. You really like to see that third year bounce and RJ got better last year and he's not, he's not doing it. And so he's having, he's just been slumping. He's shooting only 31% um, from three this year. Um, so Tibbs says um, he's like last year when he started coming in every night to shoot, there's no notion that, okay, I'll do it sometimes. No, you've got to do it all the time. When you did it, you ended up shooting 40% from three. So get back in the gym. <laughs> That's what he said to the media. He basically told RJ, Woo. get back and shoot more. So Tibbs is, is grumbling. And here's one of the reasons um, why I think Tibbs is really upset. Last year, the Knicks were fourth in defense by defensive rating. Okay. They were the fourth best defense in the league. They ended up with the number four seed in the East. They definitely overachieved, but they were overachieving based on defense. Right now, at the beginning of this week, and there's like 12 games on the NBA slate tonight. So, you know, they may, there may be some variance by the time this pod comes out, but they start the week at number 24 in defense a tom thibodeau team that is 24th Ooh. in defense like people are pointing at kemba walker who's just recently been benched. they're pointing at barrett they're pointing at julius randall who is definitely not having as good of a year but ohm they are in 11th place because they are now a substandard defense from when they were a great defense last year and that is where you should be looking so I was uh, around the Knicks uh, last week when they came to Brooklyn. 
and they ended up losing that game by two, um, fought back at the end, but weren't able to pull it out. And I was talking to a longtime Nick, Nick observer about like what's going on with this team. And as it was pointed out to me, like, yes, last year they were a good defensive team aligned with a lot of the principles that is known for a Thibodeau uh, trademark team. Uh, plays hard, obviously defends, all that. And whether it was a mandate from, you know, ownership or management, they decided they needed more offense. So they obviously go out and get Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. And when you put those two guys in the starting lineup and you take defense out, uh, how is Tibbs supposed to have the defense he wants according to the way he wants to play when he's trying to sacrifice it for more offense? And so now you see a defensive-minded coach and – it is not the team is not built to play the type of defense he wants. And he has to try to have guys score more points. Um, I think you see Julius Randle struggling a little bit with not getting this is a league wide thing. We've seen it with James Harden with Brooklyn. We just talked about it with Dame not getting calls. Julius Randle was so frustrated not getting calls that night against Brooklyn uh, that he got a technical and the refs told him we're, we're not giving you these calls because you're too strong. You're, you're, you're stronger than the yeah. guys that are defending you. Yeah, and so these fouls don't affect you as much. So you're not going to get this call. And then Thibodeau came in. So, you know, Julius lost it. He was so heated at the refs. At the end, he was walking off the Barclays Arena floor, a uh, Barclays Center floor with Thibodeau. They were both talking to each mm. other. And Thibodeau came in and Thibodeau was as angry as I've seen him seething Say, he literally said, I'm pissed. I'm pissed at the refs for how the game was officiated. And it's been like this now every night. I think the other night against Denver, which I think they were down by like 30-something and a 1 o'clock game to Denver. Denver obviously has its own issues with all these injuries, but Nikola Jokic was having a MVP moment at the Garden. And Thibodeau, I think, took a long time, according to bon Tim Bontemps, to come in and even talk, to which always raise eyebrows know, but with the again, Knicks. that's their – but the defense, I mean, by the yeah. way, Randall is averaging one free throw less a game. That doesn't yeah. mean he's not getting the short end of calls. But, but he's what, I mean, that's not why they're 11 and 12. Well, what is, you, look, you, if you add Evan Fournier to the starting lineup, Evan Fournier is not known as a defensive stopper. You know what I mean? The Brooklyn Nets took advantage of him. Of, uh, what was it last year or whatever it was in the playoffs. So like Fournier, obviously, and if Fournier is not scoring and not hitting threes, that adds on, that compounds but the problem what if, more. I, what if I told you that the Knicks offensively have gotten better? Mm. So if you look at the actual year over year, it doesn't look like it because overall offense is down. So that's why you have to go to rankings. So, but relative to the, to the league last year, they were 22nd in offense so that you, you know, by the way, if you're, if you're running the Knicks, if you're Leon Rose and you've got the number four defense and the number 22 offense, which is what they had last you year. you got to improve your offense. You're going to go out there. And that's why they got Fournier and Kemba Walker. So, by the way, they've, got, they've now got the number 14 offense. They've gone from 22 offense to 14 offense. Even though they're not shooting as well as they did last year, they're still a top 10 team in terms of three-point percentage, even though Barrett and um, Randall have, have threes have, have come down. Um, they've struggled defensively partially because their two centers, Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel, have had injury issues. And those guys defend the rim, and Tibbs' defense funnels the ball to defending the rim. And that's part of the reason why they are, they are weaker defensively. But overall, in general, 24th defensively, that's the reason. That doesn't mean that Tibbs can't be angry. It doesn't mean he shouldn't have benched Kemba Walker, who actually gave an interview today and was yeah. – 
Yeah. I would describe him as somber, Momo. <laughs> about yeah. his Sullen, his situation. somber, but classy, but also classy. Yeah. Always classy. Yes. Look, here's it. I think that there were other things they could have done with Kemba before you go to the blunt, you know, but just bench him. Like Kemba Walker and Julius Randle were le- leading the team in touches and they had played only nine minutes apart from each other. Okay. But only nine minutes that they had played were, were, were one was on the floor and one was off. Okay. So you have two guys who need the ball who, ha- who don't play that particularly well together. I just stagger their minutes a little bit, bring them off the bench, see if he can, see if he can do something because. You have a guy who can play who is just riding the pine right now and not doing anything for you. And I know he's a liability defensively, but he certainly can get buckets and it would take some of the pressure off RJ Barrett if um, he's in this slump. And Fred Katz, who covers the Knicks the Athletic, had a good story today um, just about about RJ's struggles. Okay. This this jump, this stat jumped out at me. Okay. In the last 13 games, um, he's he's only scoring 10 points a game and 22% from 22% from deep. Okay. But of the 58 three-pointers he's taken during that 13 games up is R.J. Barrett. 55 of them are open, wide open, and yet he's only hitting 21% of those open Get back. I can't, I can't do the impression like Friedel can. Get back on the gym. <laughs> wide open threes. I mean, this isn't yeah. just missing them. These are missing and I mean, like, shots. Let me just say, like, the Knicks' path forward into relevance is not to – um, defend and grind their way to the four or five seed. That's right. Their path, their path forward is to trade or sign, but you know, we're not going to see a lot of stars on the free agent market is to trade for a star. And, you know, Leon, Leon Rose would never say this because he never gives media interviews, but you know, they need RJ Barrett to be great so that he is desired in the trademark so they can make him the centerpiece of a trade package. Or so he's the second star. I mean, right. he's the number three pick in the draft that year. Let, right. let we go back and revisit that draft. It was Zion one, Jaw two, RJ Barrett three. Zion has shown flashes of brilliance, but can't stay on the court. Jaw has uh, been unbelievable. Um, same. He's out I right know. now. Same, same yeah. in a way. Uh, although I think he's played more than Zion. Way um, more. RJ yeah, just, has been, been on the court a lot more, but he's but he hasn't shown those same flashes. I mean, you saw a couple. There was like he had a good game actually against the Pelicans. I think it was. And. and- um, and by the way, Tibbs today, it could be just some ga- gamesmanship on him, but he left the door open saying he's considering or mulling another lineup change. Yeah. Of course, he said that with a big smirk on his face. Yeah, I know. Well, look, the truth is, Brian's right. It's, it's all about the defense. And, and Tibbs would tell you the same thing. Every Tom Thibodeau team you've ever seen um, that wins has a good defense. And the teams that don't have a good defense don't win a whole lot. I mean, those teams in Minnesota those years, he never could quite get them to play there. We know with this group that they can play good defense. They just haven't. And, and I know there's been some, some lineup changes, right, Fournier, but it's not all on Evan Fournier, right? This isn't because they put him in the starting lineup in Kemba and all that. Like, this is more systemic, and this isn't the same players not buying in the way that they did the first year. And Brian, I have a, this, is, this is one of those things when you overachieve, and we have a saying in the business. I, I, my, my friend Steve Mason, who does radio out here in L.A., he always used to say, he goes, look, you always want to undersell and overdeliver. Never want to go the opposite way. Don't want to go oversell, under deliver. Last year, I think they did it perfect, right? Undersell, over deliver. This year, and this is it's kind of why you don't. A lot of times, there's a, there's sort of a, a curse among winning coach of the year. Um, I remember George Carl. I covered him when he won coach <laughs> right. of the year out in Denver, and he goes same thing. Mike D'Antoni when he won in Houston. They both said, you know, it's, it's not always the greatest to win coach of the year. Yeah. It just means don't ask Dwayne Casey. Yeah, Dwayne Casey. I mean, there's this sort of curse of winning coach of the year. It usually means right. that you overachieved that year, 
and the next and the next year we're expecting I, a lot I, more from your team. I, I also think in this market the problem with overselling and which they did last year and listen they didn't finish far what were they fourth last year but they they oh, were fourth. like maybe a game or half a game and a half out of like six you know what i mean so but yeah. but over delivering in new york where the fans have been starving for so yeah. long bing that bong. Ge- that oh, yes bing, bing bong. bong at the beginning of this year and, they're and five you, and one you and have a new generation you have a younger <laughs> oh. generation of nick fans the yes. bing bong generation that now the all of a sudden they're just generation. like wow. they're like yeah the bing bong generation we're here to win we're here to win now we want obi popping wow. highlights every night <laughs> you know what i mean they they're into it now and so now the expectations have exceeded what i think the Knicks, what they really should be for the Knicks. the east is tougher the east is the east is tougher well, let's, too let's perk the Knicks fans up okay all is not lost okay they have a very well-constructed roster, I would say. They don't have any albatross contracts. They don't have any situations where it would be hard to change course. They, I think they've done a really good job in roster building and planning in that, you know, this, the free agents that they signed this year, what were they all three-year deals, Brian? I mean, those are, those yeah, are very like, manageable you know, deals. I, they probably don't feel thrilled about Fournier, but but it's not a, you know, they, they could trade him if they had to. And, and, you know, to, and, and by the way, December 15th is eight days away. Like and the this Randall, is not, this is fixable, right? And the Randall extension, even though it's a hundred million, he's still a good player. He's just yeah. not as good as he was last year. It, he, that's still a good contract. I'm, I think I'm the league has adjusted to him a little bit. Um, and he also, you're asking a lot of guy. him. You're yeah. just asking a lot of him. He's not. He is not. You know, a uh, an All NBA player, even though he was close to that last year. It's not really who he is. I mean, he was on MVP ballots last year. Well, okay. Um, so before we go, um, speaking of uh, underachieving, so th- uh, the Suns and the Warriors, they played each other twice last week and split. And, you know, they've got some veterans on those rosters and they are definitely thinking about each other. And I know because yep. the game plan things that they put in in those games last week and how the Warriors roared back, even though Booker was out. And I was starting to think if you're the Warriors and the Suns, who clearly look like they're the class of the league, yep. who are you worried about? As, as you as you lay there at night or you're you're on the plane and you're saying, are we worried about? And two teams come to mind that I wonder if they're worried about. Obviously, the Lakers are, or the uh, Suns. I just gave it away. The Suns are worried about the Warriors. <laughs> the Warriors are worried about are worried about the Suns. And mm-hmm. I honestly believe that the Warriors are worried about the Suns. Do you think that? The Warriors and Suns worry about the Nets and Lakers. The Nets have are tied for the the, the first uh, third best record in the league. Uh, Olm, you've been around them a lot. You've sort of been our uh, substitute beat writer until the first of the year. Um, uh, they're good, but I don't think Steph Curry and Chris Paul are losing sleep. And I don't think they're losing sleep over the Lakers either, who we'll get to you in a second, Momo, because you always are in Laker land. But Ohm, like, they're they're fine. Durant's having a great year. He's an MVP candidate. They've got a bunch of wins, but they don't scare me at all. I think they are not worried about the Brooklyn Nets un- unless Kyrie Irving comes back, which I don't see that happening anytime soon with the Omicron virus now, you know, the variant uh, making its way here and it doesn't look like mandates are going to go anywhere uh, for the next several months. So, and I think what we are seeing now with the Brooklyn Nets, 
as good as Kevin Durant is, James Harden is not James Harden. Um, he admitted like about a week and a half ago that he's having difficulty uh, balancing when to be a playmaker for this team versus just scoring with Kyrie out ever since Kyrie's been out. And so what there's, there was one play against the bulls the other night when the nets lost to the bulls. Is that just an excuse for the fact that he's just lost a step? Well, I think it's a lot of things. I, mean, I, 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 do. I don't, I mean, like I agree that like maybe he's not playing at his top Supreme comfort, but like when I watch him, I see a guy who's just not the same player. I, I don't know, man. I think I think it's a combination of all those things. One, that he's not getting the calls he's used to getting. Two, he's coming off that, um, you know, the, the injury that didn't allow him to work out. So he maybe had been out of shape. Number three, it's getting adjusted to these things. Number four, not having a lob guy to throw to. Nick Claxton was sick. They don't really have a big that you can just throw a lob to when he gets inside the paint. Um, and But he's not getting any separation on these guys. Like when you put a Mikael Bridges on him and Mikael Bridges has become perhaps defensive player of the year candidate, um, an elite defender. He is not getting any separation. He, when he does that little, like, I'm going to dribble and kind of like juke you on the perimeter and do a little step back three or anything. He's not getting that much separation on that. And when he's, he's not really blowing by guys, he's never been a super blow by athletic guy anyways. Um, but when you take away all those things, now you see him struggling a little bit. There was one play against the bulls the other night and they, they had that game in full control. They were up 11, uh, midway through the third, and then it was gone by early in the fourth. But late in that game, when the Bulls needed a basket, Zach Levine broke down the defense, drove and scored on like a, a crazy reverse layup. And I remember thinking to myself, the Nets don't have someone that can do that. Like Kevin Durant, as good as he is, and he can score in the mid-range, you can set him up and he's going to get you a basket. But they don't, James Harden is not blowing by guys like Zach Levine and scoring and creating his own shot like Kyrie Irving could do. And that is what the Brooklyn Nets are missing against these elite, or I don't want to call these elite yet, but against the better teams. He can say all he wants about not being comfortable. I will take him at face value that that is true, that maybe he doesn't feel the same comfort level, but it doesn't explain why he's, frankly, he's not an all-star. I know that he has moments where he has really good games, but he, I don't, he probably will make the all-star team because He's James Harden, and they're the best team in the East right now. But he's not playing like an all-star player to me. No. You know, the Bulls have a better one-two punch right now than the Nets do. I don't know <laughs> if that'll be the case in the spring, but that's the case right now. Um, you know, the, the, the Bucks could say that they do. And that's not what you thought when you had those two guys. By the way, um, the Nets, uh, so uh, Bill de-, de Blasio, one of his last acts as mayor, um, they increased the, uh, the, you now have to be fully vaccinated, not just one shot yeah. of Pfizer and Moderna. And they're, they're mandating for private companies to have vaccinations in New York city. My point mm. is it's not moving yeah. toward, uh, any relaxing, especially with the new variant for Kyrie. So it's I either going to be, he's going to get the shot or he's not going to play. I, yeah. I Steve, I Steve Nash it. basically said today, um, you know, he was asked about Kyrie and he just basically said, if we get the gift of Kyrie coming back, I believe that, oh that was God. the phrase he used the gift. Oh my God. We'll They're be happy, but we're not, dollars. but we're not sitting here thinking every day Kyrie is going to come back. It's it's, it's or waiting for him, man. I mean, like if I were Durant and I committed myself to this team and I went and got the vaccine, I, it would, it would seriously would drive me crazy that this was going yeah. on, but um, so Momo, I'd say the same thing about the Lakers. Um, yeah. 
you know, I have vowed I will not judge the Lakers until after Christmas. Yeah. Um, but you certainly aren't watching them if you're Chris Paul or you're Steph Curry and going, oh, no. Oh, no, that that LeBron, I'm worried about LeBron. I'm worried about AD. I mean, the Lakers are still, you know, very talent laden and they're still injured. So they're not what they're going to be, but they're not scaring anybody. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com bike slash rentals. Terms apply. No, they, Brian, I mean, you know, one of my favorite things to do is watch um, Laker games on TV out here in Los Angeles. They're on Spectrum and James Worthy and Robert Ori and Derek Fisher, all the former Laker greats do the pre and post games, you know, and uh, <laughs> like after their after their uh, their losses, <laughs> it's I mean, it's gotten to be this like like you can just feel it like they're, you know, usually on like team broadcasts, the, the team broadcasters are kind of homers or. Sort of go they kind of find a bright side. James, James Worthy can say no. whatever he wants. James Worthy goes in, and like even Robert Ory goes in. I mean, like you know, Robert Ory was never known for his defense, but like he did a segment one of the one of the breakdowns where he was. I think it was against the Knicks. He did a segment. He was just showing uh he was showing clips of like uh, you know the Lakers just didn't know where to be. Like Julius Randle was out at three, and you know shooting a three, and they, they were like, should, should we? Should we defend it? Should Dwight Howard's like, should I go out there? I don't know. And the Malik Monk's like, <laughs> you can just tell like they don't have any concept of what they should be doing out there, which is just, I mean, I've covered Frank Vogel for a while now um, out here in LA. And this is just not, he's a great defensive coach. He's a really good, he's a really good structure and order guy. Um, and they don't have it right now. And I, 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 I don't know. Sometimes you blame the coach for that. Sometimes you blame the players. It's probably a little of both. But it's, uh, I mean, you should have heard Robert Ory breaking this down. He was trying to be nice, right? He was like, and he, there was one play where they, they showed it, and he was, uh, he was like, ah, I don't know what to say about that. But look, the guy's wide open. There's two guys over here, and they're not guarding anyone. And <laughs> so, <laughs> it's really fun. To, I mean, I shouldn't laugh, but it, it's funny when you see these guys like, trying to find something nice to say. And there's just absolutely nothing to say about Well, Michael Thompson, say. who's their radio color yeah. guy. Oh, yeah. Um, Westbrook I've listened I haven't listened to every game obviously but I've yeah, listened yeah. to him a few times and Westbrook drives him to the brink regularly 
<laughs> Wait, so Momo, there's there's not a lot of worthy clapping going on where you know no. worthy has worthy has <laughs> no. for those who don't watch worthy has this tradition whenever they yep. win a game yeah. worthy does this gigantic huge clap he has a cigar in his mouth he's yeah. lighting it up in yep. on studio and he does this clap and then everybody on Twitter <laughs> tweets it out all the Laker fans and I'm sure yeah. it hasn't been enough of that no this season. and you know like there's a couple here's here's here let's let's instead of just talking about how they're bad there look. They, they haven't had LeBron James in any consistent form or fashion all year. Like he's, he's played half the games and, and they're not the, it's not like out for 10 in for 10. It's been stop, start, stop, start. It's just impossible to find a rhythm when LeBron is the way in it's the been game for three years. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Since, but, but here's the, since... when, when you have a system, then you can fall back on your system, but they don't have a system now because they traded for Westbrook and got, and, and got rid of 11 guy. I mean, they have 11 new players this year. So, so the, I, I the biggest thing that I see, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll go to this, Brian, like there's, there's two big glaring issues that they need to fix. Okay. When Russell Westbrook is in the game with LeBron, he cannot be on the ball. LeBron has to have the ball. Russ has to play off the ball. He has never played off the ball his entire career. Uh-huh. Yeah, so this is not this, working. We so knew far. this in August. Yes. But when, but when LeBron is not on the court, which has been half the time this season, Russell Westbrook is on the ball. That is hard to, to manage. Like what, Sometimes you have the ball, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're trying to play a way that you've never played before. They're doing some interesting things, doing pick and rolls with him and, and AD, some interesting pick and rolls with him and LeBron. I do think they're going to find some actions that work. Um, Russ tends to get better through through every season. He, you know, We would have said the same thing last year in Washington or Houston, and he gets better. He figures things out. Um, I don't know how much better this can get, but we'll see. Well, you know and, what's and happening. I don't know. The same thing that happened in Houston. Yeah. In Houston, they were like, boy, all right, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to trade our franchise center, Clint Capella, and yeah. we're going to have to play super small and spread it all out. Yeah, they're already and, doing that. They have 80 at the five all the time. Right. So <laughs> Fred Vogel's trying to play some sort of weird kindergarten game where he's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. We don't, we're not playing AD and LeBron at center. We're having lineups that are centerless. We're not going to have a center. And it's like, Frank, we know what you're trying to do, buddy. And by the way, you can call whatever you want a center. The key is if the other team plays a center, you have to have a defensive center. You can call, you can, you can call your offense a five LeBron's guard playing offense. the center. LeBron's so that's what happened. Five, so yeah. I mean, so, so LeBron gave a, <laughs> LeBron gave a little testimony over the weekend where he was like, you know, I kind of like this center thing. I can, <laughs> I can direct the defense from back there. And it's like, yeah, everybody's trying to talk themselves into, into it. The, I know into stretching. And by the way, like you didn't have to be a hall of fame coach to see that this was coming when they made this trade, you could have Look, seen you're right. AD and LeBron had to play big. I will say this though. They did figure it out in Houston. They became a very good team and they yeah. did figure it out in Washington last year. And by the end, maybe not potent, but had some claws. And ultimately we have, you know, some top seven. But, but yeah, and, and here's what they need though, Brian, they need, they need some defensive players who can just kind of give them a perimeter threat defensively. Like they had last year with like Alex Caruso. Caruso. Oh, yeah, I know. We're going to, we're just like the Caruso no, thing. No, we're you not know, he's like the ghost right of now. Christmas past. He will always. Okay. But, um, Look, Trevor Reza will come back one day, I think, um, and he will help them. People have been saying that. <laughs> Kendrick Nunn, I'm not sure. I don't know. He's got a bone bruise. It's just taking forever. Um, they they can go get help there, but what they need is a point guard. Okay, yeah. if you're not going to have 
if you're going to have LeBron and AD playing big, that mean it, 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 I don't think means Russ is on the ball. I think you need a true point guard. Well, now, is Taylor it- Horton Tucker could be that point guard in like two or three years from now, but that's not how they're using him now. And he has a lot of seasoning to go. So like, you know who would be perfect for them, but is not available anymore, but was available over the summer? Like a Ricky Rubio type? Like so, like you just somebody my- who could <laughs> run that offense so that Russ can be what he is and LeBron and AD can play big. By the way, you know how many coaches I've heard say, you know who would be perfect for this team? Ricky Rubio. Um, yeah. You know, the Cavs not available take, anymore. The yeah. Cavs would take Taylor Horton Tucker for Rubio. Hey, oh, I'm sure I'm just 29 other teams would take Taylor Horton Tucker. Yeah. I'm just going to say this. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it's in the week because it's we're already too long. Yeah. Okay. They had a point guard who led the league in assists. They won a title with. His name was LeBron. Okay. That's true. That's true. <laughs> right. Then they traded everything they had on their arsenal for another point guard. That's name's Russell Westbrook. He happens to throw the ball into the fifth row a lot, but well, you, you forgot know, about so... the other point guard they had. His name was Dennis Schroeder. He'll be here Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that is a more complicated one. All right, we got. Hey, are we gonna get but... the? Wait, wait. I gotta ask you a question now. Okay. Yeah. I gotta ask this question because I'm going to yeah. game Lakers Celtics. Dennis Schroeder. Are we gonna see the uh, tribute video from last year? No. <laughs> well, they did a tribute video for Avery Bradley. I know. I mean, everybody um, gets back. a tribute video. Everybody I mean, gets what, a tribute this video. This will be days. the standard. If this, if the Lakers do a tribute video, then everybody gets one. I mean, it's I want like you Oprah. to think I about mean, this. What would, what would, in fact, I think this would be a good mantra going forward. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'm leave, I'm keeping my, my full Laker analysis until after Christmas. Yeah. But Smart. think about it this way. Uh, what would Dr. Bus do? Think about that. What would Dr. Bus do <laughs> when you, when you think about trading the whole team for, for Russell Westbrook, I ask you, what would Dr. Bus do? You think about giving, uh, Dennis Schroeder, a, uh, a tribute video. What would Dr. Buss do? <laughs> <laughs> so, so think that should be the new guidance for the organization. I don't organization. think Dr. Buss believes in tribute videos. I don't think honest. so either. Well, I think yeah. he might, he might, the people that delivered stars to the center of the court, uh, those guys get tribute videos. The same guys who have statues outside tribute videos. <laughs> By the way, Maybe I got to go walk across the plaza, Brian, because the word is mm. they are taking down the letters at Staples Center. It's already it's getting, already been taken not, down. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go uh, send you pictures. I'm gonna go walk across the plaza now to see it for myself. See I don't if know. You can Am snag I, I, one of those S's. That'd be looked. Yeah, dude, that'd be worth yeah. something. Huh? So great in your backyard. Ramona has a very natural looking backyard <laughs> with many plants and and yeah. uh, and water features and things like that. That S against the against the, the Chatsworth <laughs> skyline, Momo, would be amazing. I live in this like totally. Would you call it bucolic? It's almost. It's like ranchy. It's kind of ranchy out where I live. Yes, not really. I mean, you know, there yeah. may or may not have been. There's horses porn, down the street. I see them walking down the street. Filmed on your horses block and one, adult time, videos. And, but uh, yeah, we've cleaned I up the. You, I can just see you going that. through the. Coenga Pass with an S to the top of your car. It's you in my truck. It won't fit in my car. It should be on top of your car. You have, you have bungee cords. All right, that's enough. Thank you. All right, I'm going over the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, Momo. We'll talk to you later this week.